Welcome everyone to the Wild West Podcast, where we talk to the people shaping how we think about nature, the outdoors, and California's wild places. I'm San Francisco Chronicle Travel Editor Greg Thomas, and this pod is a place where I interview adventure athletes and environmental advocates and the movers and shakers who are defining and redefining what we do when we go outdoors. Today's very special podcast is a Q&A with the filmmakers and the star of the new documentary Free Solo. The film chronicles rock climber Alex Honnold as he prepares for and ultimately accomplishes an incredible solo climb of El Capitan, which is the 3,000-foot granite wall in Yosemite right there in the front of the valley. Uh, so Honnold and his girlfriend, Sonny McCandless, uh, and then also the husband and wife filmmakers behind the documentary, Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassarheli, visited a late-night screening of their film in San Francisco on October 11th to talk to the audience, and they invited me along to moderate. So what you're about to hear is the five of us standing at the front of a sold-out movie theater chatting about the film in front of a bunch of excited fans. So let's get to it. Hey, guys. Well, good for everybody who made it. How'd you like the movie? Um, so I'm Greg Thomas. I'm the travel editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, I'm just here to moderate tonight. So without any further ado, let's get the filmmakers up here, Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassarheli. theater shoot it and do all of the planning and I know that that was kind of a challenge for you guys and obviously you want to be in a position to shoot but not feel like you're being watched the whole time so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the pressure and uh, how you yeah that's fair I mean uh, I mean certainly filming the climb is makes it a little bit more complex 
But I mean, ultimately, the pressure of, of just making sure that I wouldn't fall off the climb was sort of the, the biggest pressure. So, um, so adding the adding the filmmaking, adding my relationship to science, sort of adding the other things in my life to make it more complex, um, still sort of pale in comparison to the actual challenge of the climb itself. And so, and in a lot of ways, the added complexity, the filmmaking, the, those kinds of pressures, sort of wound up encouraging me to, to be better prepared for the climb overall. And I think ultimately, I probably had a better experience because of it. Um, you know, when I finally actually did the climb, everything went perfectly. I felt, you know, I sort of over-prepared for it. And I think that's in large part because of all the other things going on in my life. So, um, yeah, so I mean, ultimately, yeah, it was fine. Um, but, you know, that said, we worked together for two years. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, we've been working together for two years, and so uh, all the time that I spent preparing on the route, they were also practicing the filming. You know, because they were filming all my preparations, that was time for them to get used to the route, like learn what they were doing. And so, by the the day that I actually sold it, everybody knew exactly what they were doing, and we all just perfectly executed. Right on. So, uh, Jimmy and Chai, so you guys sign on to uh, make a climbing film, essentially. Alex is going to do this awesome project. You guys are going to film it. And then, but you, you follow him around for a year and a half or so before the climb. And so, you know, the film becomes much more than just a climbing flick and, hey, here's like this sweet climbing porn of this dude on El Cab. And so then you kind of get back. At, at some point, you have to, something has to, you get, something has to click and you guys are like, okay, we have more than just sort of a climbing film here. There's something else that's deeper going on with Alex, um, you know, sort of growing as a person, whatever it might be. So I was just curious, like, with all those hours of footage, you could have made so many different renditions of this film. So how did you settle on like kind of a structure and a theme and figure out what story or what narrative you actually wanted to tell? Yeah. Uh, well, we always like had the hopes. And I mean, to get Jimmy and I involved in the film, it had to have that depth, basically. And so the story was always going to be... There's a story about Alex, how he began climbing without a rope because it was scarier to speak to another person rather than go out by himself. You know, and hence no rope, he's got no partner. Um, and that always moved us. And um, I think that type of fear is something we're all familiar with, maybe not in that sort of extreme state, but as so here's a story of this kid who's a loner, who's awkward, who's scared of things, intimidated by vegetables, hugs, <laughs> public speaking and who methodically works through his fear and with discipline and practice over years to, to achieve this outrageous dream. Um, and that was always going to be the story. And so Alex is a fascinating character and we knew that it would have those layers. What we couldn't anticipate, when we began making the film, Alex was online dating. Um, and so he was on his book tour and he'd be like, he'd set up a date at every city and then slowly break it to the ladies and he lives in a van. Um, <laughs> so I, like we were really excited. We thought we had like a, a funny documentary in our hands, which would perfectly off, like offset the extreme fear that one would feel watching this. And um, and then Sonia arrived, and she is a remarkable, special person, human, and who is emotionally intelligent and articulate about those feelings, and self-confident enough to love Alex for who he is and push him, like push back on him. And so suddenly we had a love story. And emotional growth and depth, and I mean, we could, once that happened, we kind of knew where we were going. We just hope he successfully did the climb. Seems like the easier part. Yeah. 
Jimmy, anything to add? I think that was a a good summer. (laughs) Well, so I also wanted to ask you guys, like, um, how many, well, how many hours of footage did you guys have when you were, when you were looking, like, when all was said and done? Uh, We had about 700 hours. Yeah, so from 700 hours, was there anything, you guys are in the, in the lab making decisions, editing, was there anything that you guys sort of disagreed about leaving out or including, or was it all like how did that collaboration work between you two? <laughs> I think the I mean right off the deck, I don't know what it is. We we dropped it to two hundred. Well, I mean a lot of it was multicam, like so yeah, there would be a lot of cameras cam. running on these climbs and like Morocco is seven minutes in the film and 21 days in real life. So that just gives you a sense of what we're dealing with. Yeah, percentages are tough. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of film that we wanted to make, a very good film where you really have to, you know, sit on your subject in film and film and, and catch, you know, hopefully the unexpected or those kind of critical moments that you see in the film that are you know, kind of happening in front of your eyes and, and you know, that kind of footage really just brings you on to the ride. You know, you're in it with them in the moment. Um, so there was just that process of filming a lot. And, you know, I think that one of the amazing things about watching Chai and our editor, Bob Eisenhower, who also cut Meru, uh, work is that you know they're relentless in the sense that they, they try every idea and decide if it works or doesn't work. So you always feel like you know there's nothing worse than feeling like you didn't make the best film with the material you have, um, and there's nothing feeling nothing that feels better after two and a half years of filming that you know. I feel pretty good that through our through the process that we've done and that Chai and Bob are so good at that we didn't need any stone unturned and uh, I feel like we have the best film that we could have made with the material we had. No, um, yeah. And I just say one thing is like I think that our only things are things that like we couldn't make work and that's why they're not in the film. Okay. Right? You know, so it's a yeah, we're happy where we landed. Um, okay, cool. Well, I wanted to turn it over to the audience and see what kind of questions you guys have for these people. Uh, guy in the, in the back, hand up. Um, yeah. Did you guys have to go back and film any parts of it with him on uh, rope, rope? Did you guys have to go back and film any parts of it with him on rope? Or on rope? No, not on rope. Not on rope. Yeah. No, what you see is what you get. You know, like that, that day... And who would ever want to repeat that day? <laughs> like, and you know, the thing on that day, Alex, so Jimmy is like hanging on the wall with the guys who are trying to keep up. Alex is the fastest climber on earth. Um, and he began going faster. Like, he, he was about 45 minutes faster than what we anticipated. And like, that feeling of like, Jimmy, don't miss the shot. We have it. under control. Right here. Uh, for Alex, I was wondering what or why did you decide to kind of expose this seemingly really personal experience to the world? 
Yeah, the question why. It's on. It's on. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, why why I chose to make this make this film? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. It has a lot of different answers depending on my mood. Um, but uh, but right now, I mean, so I'll just dive into one of them. One of them is just the logistics of it. Is that you know, as as a professional climber, you basically are required to go to events and like do appearances and like do things all the time for for sponsors, and that's like part of being a professional climber. And so my big dream for many years had been free solo on cap. And the film was actually in some ways an amazing cover that basically got me off the hook for all my other obligations in life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, and that is, you know, I mean, there are a lot of things we can talk about. Like, oh, I want to share the story. And, you know, they're great filmmakers and they made Mary, and obviously I love Mary as well. And, um, you know, it's a big opportunity to, like, share this thing. But I mean, part of it was just that it was easier for me to actually the climb, it was easier for me to have the time and actually put in the, the effort and, and prepare and then ultimately free solo cap by having the film as, as you know, sort of a cover that, that bought me all this time. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, basically there are a lot of reasons, but, but it all just sort of came together and worked out well. Right in front. Sure. Um, so this is like hugely pioneering as an, as an accomplishment. So I was wondering if that played a big role in your decision to climb Hellcap, or if somebody had done it before, would you still want? It? Yeah, it's a good question. So if um, if somebody had climbed Hellcap before me, would I still have wanted to do it just as much? And um, yeah, I mean the, the pioneering aspect was certainly you know a big part of the motivation. Um, it's hard to say. You know, I mean I put so much work into it. I mean if somebody else had done it and they had done it super easily and it was like no thing for them, I don't know if I would be willing to put in years of, of my life, like two years of effort just to have this experience. Um, I mean, in some ways it's kind of worth it because it, it was an amazing climbing experience, one of the best times of my life, but it is a lot of effort to put into a climb, and so, you know, I, I don't really know, I mean, it's, it's impossible to know for sure, but but there definitely was some appeal to being the first person to free solo like that, or, you know, yeah, I don't know. But it's hard to say, I mean, because I've done a lot of other solos that, that people have done before just because... You know, sometimes you're more motivated because of the people kind of, you like, you feel like you're, you're paying tribute to, to a historical route and things like that. Um, so, yeah, totally depends. Yeah, that's true. Just that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What was, uh, and, and anybody can answer this, but what was one scene that you wish had made it to the final cut, but didn't? I mean, we really, like, we had, we were editing while we were filming, so it always helped us think about what was most important, and I think that they're very, like, there, there isn't, we, we tried, like, the film is a little long, in my opinion, like, we probably have that scene in there, we shouldn't have the scene. Um, no, I think it's perfect. Um, <laughs> there, really, there really isn't anything, there are things that we couldn't make work. Um, but it's okay. Right? No. I mean, we cut this thing out about the samurai sword, which is always like this thing, but it's fine. You guys get it. He like, wants to be a samurai, right? The Jedi warrior comes through, so we didn't have to talk about it for a really long time. So, yes. <laughs> the woman in the, in the striped shirt. Yes. I am curious for each of you, which part of the film made you like lose your shit? Because I'm sure for you and... For 
basically, you're not allowed to lose your shit. <laughs> For real, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the the kind of crew that we put together. Um, there's not a whole lot of room for losing it. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of tension, and there's a lot of, you know, anxiousness, and waking up every morning for two years imagining the worst case scenario. But I don't think anybody ever completely lost it, though. I mean, one dude on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he was losing it. Yeah, he was losing it. Mikey? I guess so, yeah. But, I mean, I think, like, for me there too, I guess the consideration scene, like when Sonny says, will you take me into consideration? That was, that was a scene I kind of lost my shit with. Like, it was very, very difficult to watch um, in film. But then, like, the real one is the unicorn. Like, that is <laughs> <laughs> <lose> my shit. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I was watching a film, um, I always get emotional again when I see the conversation between Alex and I on top of all cap after the time, and I just, I remember that feeling, and it comes back like that, and it's right under my skin, I remember sobbing, I remember being like, I'm so glad you're safe, I'm so glad you're safe, like, I can't believe you're safe, and it's just, it's right there, that emotion is right there, and I, I cry every time I see that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's this lady in the middle in the in the black in the black shirt. Yes. Hi, um, I'm Gabby. Um, Hi, Gabby. <laughs> I want for Alex and one for the film crew. First, um, um, what cooler exercise are you the most for this day, and how do you choose? So, well, yeah, I, I got them both. Um, so, <laughs> what cooler exercise prepared me most for that day? I mean, so. I mean, basically, the preparation on the route, the actual climbing on the route, there wasn't any, you know, it wasn't like I did some certain fitness routine and that, like, allowed me to climb El Cap. I mean, it was all the time I spent on El Cap, memorizing moves, you know, repelling and trying every different variation and, and working through it. Um, yeah, there wasn't really any particular, you know, trick to it. I mean, obviously, the hangboarding, the training is an important way to keep my fingers in shape, but, but the main thing was just being on the rock and, and practicing. And then uh, she also has about the music, which is by Marco Beltrami, and it's freaking good. What was the question about the music? Just what's the deal with it? Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we love it. Um, Marco Beltrami, it was a real honor to be able to work with Marco Beltrami. He, you may know his work from like um, The Hurt Locker or 310 Yuma or like Snowpiercer. And he's kind of like the expert at suspense, which is kind of why we went there. But he's also a motorcycle like rider, so he kind of, and he races motorcycles, so he also understood like where we're coming. He was from. He's like kind of our right side of, type of crazy. Um, but he's this big Hollywood composer, so for documentaries, we're like just just restrained. Like please don't use so much instrumentation. Like pull it back. And he just he was he always worked with us. Like it, it was a real privilege. And he he too left no stone unturned, um, and would always like, you know work with him. One more question. It seems like we have time for one more. Cool. We're getting, we're getting the hook. Um, yeah, now I'm like, oh, I got the woman. Yeah, okay. This Was guy. there a moment in the climb when you knew you had it, or did you just know you had it right from the start? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, so um, I don't know 
Yeah, did I, I, I didn't know that I had it right from the, I mean, obviously I was 100% confident walking up to the base of the room, I was like, okay, I can do this. But obviously when you look up the wall, you feel like, oh, it's, it's a pretty big wall. It's still sort of intimidating, it's still, you know, still a little bit nervous, you know, it's game day, you're like, oh, it's, there's still some nerves for sure. Um, I think that as I climbed, I basically felt more and more confident. And the two and three blast laps were a big milestone. And then doing the bullet problem, I mean, you can see out of the camera, I'm like, yeah. Um, and, you know, so that was kind of when I knew I was in there. But then, obviously, the corner and the traverse are also still quite hard, so I kind of had to keep it together to do that. And then basically, with five or 600 feet to go to the actual summit, I was like, okay, I'm, you know, it's kind of victory lap, like charged to the top. But, um, but basically, it just kind of felt better as I went. Uh, yeah. Can I ask one more question to the audience? Mm -hmm. Like, how many people in here like go to the movies regularly? What's that? What does that tell you? It doesn't. I just I'm very curious why like how people we're just so flattered and like honored that, that people come out. And see it. Um, we're really really grateful. Thanks to um, Thank you. Sonny and Chai and Alex and Jimmy. Thanks again to Chai Vassarhelli, Jimmy Chin, Alex Honnold, and Sonny McCandless for participating in the Q&A. Uh, Free Solo is in 30 cities around the country right now, and it's playing at more and more screens each week. Um, it's gotten a ton of critical acclaim. If you want to keep track on what I'm up to with California Travel, I'm on Twitter at Greg R. Thomas. Or if you've got questions for me or suggestions for who I should bring on the pod, email me at gthomas at sfchronicle.com. Wild West is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you like us, please throw us a rating and a review. Our music today is a track called Coming Home by Ryan Anderson, and it comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive. See you next time.